Good morning and welcome to worship at Hillhead. Our worship this morning will be led by Reverend Graham Clark. Welcome to Graham. This week is Anto's last week with us um, before she goes out to Canada. Um, we also welcome her cousins Jackie and Desmond. It's been lovely seeing you in person again, Anto. It's gone far too quickly. And we look forward to hopefully seeing you again in person over the summer. We also, in other family news, we join Willie and Valerie as they celebrate having a new grandchild. Um, 2nd of December, Frankie arrived. Congratulations. The Coffee Club will be meeting this week at 10.30 on Wednesday at Esquire House. And the midweek conversation group will be meeting on Zoom on Tuesday at seven. This week, um, they're gonna be coming up with a plan for the next few months. So if you haven't attended one before, it would be a good one to join um, and see what it's all about. Um, a link will be coming out shortly for that, unless it's already been sent this morning and I've missed it. You might have noticed the key was sent out this morning. Um, the deadline for contributions for next month's key will be the 24th of January and they should be sent to Laura. Our service next week at the hotel will also be led by Laura. Laura's very busy <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. Um, and Brian has also asked me to mention in three weeks time, I am on the 28th of January, Brian will be leading our morning service here at the hotel and his theme will be Robert Burns and Faith. Um, Brian would like to hear from any volunteers that would be willing to read some poems during that service. They can be either online or here in the hotel. Um, please get in touch with Brian this week if you would like to offer to read something for that very special service. And these are all our notices. Thank you, Herman. I love the fact that with God, there's always newness. Um, he can give us a new start in life. Um, when we mess up, he can give us a new beginning. And God gives to us this new year. And it's that understanding of newness which makes me able to say to you, a good new year as we come to worship. And this is the first Sunday of this new year. Now we're going to do a response just to, to, to give our, our, our confidence for this year before God. And I want you to do it with some enthusiasm because if we don't do it with enthusiasm, we'll just, it doesn't work. So here we go. Is it on the screen? Have you got it in front of you? That's it. Great. It's time to worship, to celebrate new beginnings. We step into the new year with faith. It's time to worship, to celebrate new beginnings. It's time to worship, to celebrate new beginnings. We step forward together as God's people. Yeah, I look forward to journeying with you into this year. And we, we face a few challenges as a church to, um, together, but we have that confidence in God and that God will lead us as we come into this new year. Jesus calls us here to meet him as through word and song and prayer. We affirm God's promised presence.
where his people live and care. Praise the God who keeps his promise. Praise the Son who calls us friends. Praise the Spirit who among us to our hopes and fears attends. Let's sing together. Join together in prayer. Let's pray together. Incarnate God, as we gather in your presence at the beginning of 2024, step softly into your weeping world. Embrace us in your love. Bring light into broken lives, warmth into frozen hearts, Hope to those who are troubled. May your peace pervade this place. You are with us in every transition and change. As we come with excitement and perhaps with no little anxiety, help us to approach worship in this new year, filled with the joy of your companionship as we step forward and step with you. God, who makes all things new, give to us today the grace of fresh starts. With your help, we would let go of the past. We would lay down our failures, our guilt and our shame and lift up our eyes and look to the future. 
Let us today, through the grace of your presence and in the amazing power of your Holy Spirit, be strengthened in our resolve, enlightened in our minds, as you clarify our wills and inflame our hearts through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose words we join together in praying in our own languages. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Christine and I, Christine had hoped to be here today, but she's busy at Cathcart. Um, we have quite a busy church and programme. This last year, in 2023, Cathcart celebrated its 100 years which is, for a church like you, quite young, because you're at least 140, as far as I remember. Um, but we were celebrating 100 years, and we did lots of creative things together, which was really um, great fun. We had a big garden party with people from the past and all sorts of things. We had a history wall, and we, we had cake and celebration and lots of good things. But the minister's daughter, perhaps, was the most creative of all, Abigail, um, she um, works at the Weaver's Cottage with National Trust as a part-time job as she does her studies. And she's been studying weaving. And she's got a hut in her garden with a new loom. And um, she's been making new materials. Um, we were, this is her, her loom here, um, uh, as you can see. So it's quite a good, good loom now. And it's, um, I think it's got some more additions to it so she can do more complicated cloths. And, and, and different things. So when we were up north uh, in the summer, we discovered all these threads in a place called Clactool. There's a woman who does dyeing. Next one, that's it. Uh, here's some of the threads. Uh, Ripples Crafts, and she does all these natural dyes and threads. Um, and it was just great. So I got, bought her lots of threads and, and took them to her. So she was really happy to get lots of threads. So what Abigail's done this year is she looked at the colours in our garden. Our church has a garden, which is a real blessing to us. And we work in the garden to, to keep it. We grow vegetables and we make soups. And we, anyway, we do lots of different things. There's a, uh, and there's a men's shed and they do different things. So Abigail took the colours from the garden and she's made a tartan, which reflects the colours in, in the garden. And so we now have our own Cathcart Baptist Church tartan. <laughs> And it's registered. We've even got it officially registered as a tartan. So it's actually registered now and things. So here it is. That's it. Next one. There we go. This is the tartan with the red thread through and different things. And what this spoke to me about, it spoke to different people about different things because the colours could represent different things. But for me, it was about the church itself. Because single threads can break. I've been on Harris and Lewis preaching and I've been in the homes of people who make the Harris tweed and sometimes it goes quite well and other times the threads break and they go nuts because it's really hard to, to make the cloth if the, the thread's not as good as it could be. Single threads break, but when all the threads come together, they create a material which is stronger and things. 
And for me, this is a picture of the church. There's all kinds of different people who come to church, young people, older people, and all together we combine to make something which is beautiful and stronger in our togetherness. And that seems to me to be a wonderful picture. So here's a picture of our two pastors. We have um, Derek and Cara um, wearing the tartan and things. So um, this is it. So I haven't quite got a scarf myself yet, although I booked in for a cushion. So <laughs> that shows my age, I think. So when we were doing this, I found this wonderful verse in Colossians 2.2. Which says this, I want you woven into a tapestry of love. I really like that phrase, that we in the church, all different kinds of people could be woven into a tapestry of love. In touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you will have minds confident and at rest, focused on Christ, God's great mystery. I like that translation of that verse. And then at the beginning of this year, I've been reading this book. How to Build the Church of the Future. It's 20 years of the inclusive church movement in the UK. And um, so I've been reading this book about inclusion and about how everybody um, should be welcomed into the church. And I loved this simple statement which I found in it. Sometimes we don't need to say things in a complicated way. Now you say amen to that. <laughs> Because the truth is simply that God calls and loves and values every one of us. I really like that. God calls and loves and values every one of us. So it doesn't matter if you're young or you're getting on a bit, as some of us are. Isn't that true? Um, God wants all of us to be part of the tapestry of his church. And every thread matters. He calls and loves every one of us. Amen. Thank you.
reading from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Now on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood a distance, raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went along, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell with his face to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to turn back and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to the man, Get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Today, on this first Sunday of 2024, we find ourselves on the edge of a new year. And our text, too, finds us in an edge place between Samaria and Galilee, in a liminal space, a place between what was and what will be, a place of transition, a place of change, a place between races and cultures, between health and sickness. Into this space, Jesus brings embrace of the outsider, cleansing, healing, and life. The passage from Luke's gospel is framed in the context of a journey, and it challenges you and I in three ways. It challenges us to be a people who are prepared to embrace the edge and the excluded outsiders who live in that space. 
It challenges us to be a people who are cleansed and healed by Jesus, who in turn can bring healing and life to others. It challenges us to be a people who have thanksgiving integrated into our lives. Our account begins here with the third mention of Jesus' destination as Jerusalem. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus journeyed along the border between Samaria and Galilee. This isn't just a geographical note. In fact, we're not very sure of where Jesus actually is here. It's rather a theological theme, the theme of journey. It continues what's called the Lucan travel account. The theological rather than the geographical direction is the city of destiny, Jerusalem, with the realization, and this is critical, that this is the place where Jesus will die for us and be raised from the dead. Jesus intentionally goes there. Here in our text today, we find Jesus on the border between two competing realities. This is an area of conflict between the Galileans with their messianic expectations and the hated enemies, the Samaritans, the Sumerians. Without over-allegorizing this text, it's not wrong within the intention of Luke to see life as traveling on the border, the border of expectation, the unmet expectation, the border of hope and dreams and where hopes have been dashed. Something interesting happens on the border. Something powerful happens here. Perhaps in this church, at this time, it could be said that we're traveling on the border, that we find ourselves in an in-between place. It's therefore encouraging to note that the border is where the power of God is often seen. Here, it is the place where true healing and true wellness from God breaks in. The healing from leprosy was looked on as a kind of resurrection because the leper starts a new journey and a new life. In every way, a leper was dead, dead from the disease, dead to family and to normal community, excluded from friends and from faith. Only the kind of faith depicted in this account can lead us to the cross and resurrection. What then is Luke saying to us in this account of the ten lepers about journey? He's saying that as Christians we need to journey on. Staying with the status quo is not an option when you're following Jesus. If Jesus is stuck with, had stuck with the traditional religious framework of his time, what the law demanded of Jews, he would have stayed away from the lepers altogether. And he certainly probably wouldn't have gone anywhere near the Samaritans. They weren't, the lepers weren't called untouchables for nothing. So he's saying we need to journey on. But he's also saying we need to journey outwards. The Samaritan is an outsider. Here at the edge of two regions, Samaria and Galilee, Jesus seeks out people on the edge of the community where he invites them to journey with him. Staying with the status quo or ignoring the plight of the outsider or the sick equally lead you and I away from salvation. If we stay where we are, we go backwards. And so we need to journey onwards and outwards to people on the move 
who are prepared to journey to the edge. That journey to the edge took me to an AIDS hospice in Baltimore. Some years ago, at a time when drugs were not what they are today, and a lot of people were dying of AIDS. And to be honest, it was quite a scary place to go. Not because I was scared of AIDS itself, but because in the hospice there were lots of people who were really quite emaciated and skeletal and really on their, their, their last days. I listened to the story of one man, and it deeply touched me. And so as we were about to leave, we embraced. Sadly, there was no physical healing for that man. He died not long after that. But there was, I hope, a little comfort in acceptance. But for me, there was the understanding that this is the kind of place where Jesus lives, where Jesus is. In our text, Jesus is located in the place of great pressure, but in the midst of it, Jesus still responds to all who call upon him. The ten lepers as a group pictures Jesus' um, continued compassion for people. He, he cares for these people. He encounters the band of ten lepers, a mixture of Jews and Samaritans united in their illness and alienation. The lepers observe the sanitary obligations of Leviticus 13, 45 and 46, and they address Jesus from a distance, looking for healing. Instead of healing them on the spot, Jesus says, journey on, journey on, and as you go, you'll be cleansed. And so they go in obedience and faith, and as they go, they're healed. This is another story which is only found in Luke's Gospel. Luke wants us to understand that if, they, if we journey to Jerusalem and to the cross of Christ, there too we will be cleansed. Just as leprosy alienated these people from society, so our sin, the Bible teaches us, alienates us from God. However, Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, from all sin. On our faith journey, we're called to be a people who are cleansed and healed by Jesus, who in turn bring healing to others. Another point of this text is who might respond to the compassion of Jesus. And it's here that the story is a bit shocking. We probably don't quite get how shocking it is that the only person who responded was the enemy, was the Samaritan. Such a reaction is shocking in the story. And perhaps we don't get just how shocking it is. An outsider provides the lesson. An outsider is the one who is thankful and grateful. He responds to God's kindness. All of us are candidates for God's general acts of grace but that does not mean that we receive grace in its fullness. God's grace extends to all, but only those who respond with thankfulness and gratefulness come into the fullness of that grace. Jesus says here to the Samaritan, your faith has saved you. 
Luke desires the reader to identify with the Samaritan's exemplary faith, the faith which yields God's mercy. The story is designed to teach us about gratitude and thankfulness, but as Barclay, William Barclay, who uh, used to meet in Ely High Street many years ago and have great conversations with, Willie Barclay says this, no story in all the Gospels so poignantly shows man's ingratitude. So often, once a man has got what he wants, he never comes back to say thanks. As someone said, blow, blow, not thou winter wind, thou art so unkind as man's ingratitude. Only one of the lepers praises God for his cure and returns to thank Jesus. Jesus responds in two ways. He remarks that it's the stranger, the Samaritan, who returns. And then he declares salvation to the man on account of his faith. Only one returns, only one finds the fullness of salvation. And this is a key point of the story. Much in this account, I think, reminds us of the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. He was a great military commander, and he goes to the prophet Elisha because he has leprosy. At first, he's too proud to do what Elisha tells him to do, to go and bathe, so that his flesh could be restored. But eventually, his servants persuade him, and he, gets, he goes and bathes in the Jordan, and his flesh becomes like that of a young boy. Naaman, after he was healed, took two baskets of earth back with him to his own country so that he could remember all that God had done. Now, I'm old enough to remember 1977, when Scotland beat England 2-1 at Wembley. It was a long time ago. And the Tartan army and all its enthusiasm took most of the pitch from Wembley and the goalposts and brought them back to Scotland. Although if everybody had a bit of that pitch, be, half of Glasgow would be covered with it. Naaman takes the soil home to remind him of his experience of God and thanksgiving. For the same reason, we have communion today. Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is integrated into our practice of, as a faith community. And here we're called to be people who have integrated that thanksgiving not just into our worship, but into our lives. To be a people who respond to God with thanksgiving so that we enter into the fullness of what God wants to have for us. As the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So as we stand at the edge of a new year, 2024, we're reminded by this morning's text to be a people who have a burning vision of God's expansive love and grace, to be a people who are prepared to embrace people who are at the edge. That's harder than you think. All of us have our boundaries. It's harder to embrace people at the edge. To embrace those who are excluded by others. 
who live in that space, in between space, in their exclusion, in their pain, and in their grief. To be a people who are cleansed and healed by Jesus so that we can bring healing to others, so that we have that kind of inner life which is healed by Jesus that makes us the kind of people who bring to others healing and renewal. And to be a people who have integrated thanksgiving into our everyday. I'm reading a poetry book just now by Bilson, which is a poem for every day. Um, and I'm loving it. It's just great. He has such a way of looking at the world. And um, I really enjoy this and things. And I think it's finding these things which make you glad about your life, which bring happiness and joy and thanksgiving into your life. I don't know what that is for you. Could be music, could be art, could be reading. I don't know. Could be friendship, could be coffee, could be any of these things. But find these things which build thanksgiving in your life so that you can praise God every day. Amen. we turn to pray, I wanted to share two images to guide us. 
The first is an image attributed to Banksy, whose exhibition at GOMA many of us experienced last summer. It's called Armour Dove, and is an image of a dove of peace wearing a bulletproof vest with a red target on its chest and an olive branch in its beak. The image is on a wall in Bethlehem, in the occupied Palestinian territories of the West Bank. The harshest and most violent of borders. The second image is of a Palestinian wildflower that is called the Star of Bethlehem, named after the star that guided the Magi to Bethlehem to visit the baby Jesus. In folklore, the biblical star is said to have fallen to the ground and shattered into pieces, which become these ubiquitous white flowers that are found across Palestine and the Middle East. I love, in this image, the flower breaking through the rocks, strength and resistance in something so delicate. For these prayers, I've taken material from the Iona community's Prayers for Palestine and Israel, as well as from a publication called Gies, which is indigenous writers from across the world. Let us pray together. Dear Lord, we come together at the start of a new year, recognising the violence and hurt in our world, yet sitting in the anticipation of the possibility of a different story, yearning for change. God of mercy, we lay before you the hearts, minds and bodies of all those suffering from violence in the occupied Palestinian territory and Israel. Shower upon all the people of this holy land the spirit of justice and reconciliation. God have mercy. In you, Lord, all life is connected and all the earth and its lands are to be cherished, not controlled. Your gifts are for all. Yet, as we see the violence and hatred across the world and see the signs of climate breakdown all around us, help us to work, to live in commune. God, have mercy. May we be reminded all humanity is connected. No one is really free until all are free. Help us to pray for all in Israel and all in the Palestinian territories. We pray for all those who live in fear of the other, for all who consider violence to be the way forward. We pray for all who, by acting in hate, dehumanize themselves. God, have mercy. We turn to one another and pray for our community. For everyone gathered here this morning and friends unable to be here. We pray for Glasgow, 
our city remembering especially those who have crossed borders in search of refuge and solace here. We remember the network of Baptist churches in Scotland and bring before you the congregations of Aloha, Alness and Alva Baptist Church. May they find strength and courage to bring light and love to their communities. God of mercy, we pause to breathe. We choose quiet to tend to one another so we can hear the still small voices, so we can hear your rustling amidst all the noise. Lord of mercy, who pours over all of us, who moves in the wind and rests in the rubble. Remind us to breathe, to be still, to listen, to feel our bodies on the land and to be forever altered. Summon our courage, our fierce love, our reliance on community and our imaginations. May there be a turning in each of us and in our world. May the fire of justice rise from the belly of the earth. May the bombing cease. May liberation come, now and always. Amen.
we come to the table. We are here because Jesus has called us. Strangers and friends, locals and visitors, believers and doubters, the certain and the curious. It is always a mixed company that Jesus gathers and invites to his table where bread and bread and wine he meets us. And through him, we who are different are joined to each other. So come, not because you understand everything. Come not because of how you feel, but because God has food for you. Come not because you deserve a place, but because Jesus invites you just as you are. This table doesn't belong to any one denomination, to any church or community. It belongs to Jesus. It was at table that he met people, heard their stories, and shared his. It was at table that he deepened his friendships with poor folk and with prostitutes, with business people, and with puzzled bystanders. It was at table that he shared profound insights into who God is and what God wants. And it was at table with bread and wine that he initiated the sacrament we now celebrate. So come to this table. Leave behind any baggage or arrogance or unworthiness. Do not think this is not for me. Think rather of Jesus saying, I am for you and accept his invitation to be the friend he cherishes and longs to feed. Take this bread, share this wine, and these Christ comes to us with love from God, the gifts of God for the people of God. As Jesus broke bread for a broken world, we break this bread and give thanks to God for his amazing love. We eat the bread as we receive it. Jesus shared the wine as he shared himself. We share this cup in our togetherness together with Jesus and with each other. We keep the cup and we'll drink together. <coughs> drink this in remembrance of him and in your hearts be thankful. Living God, in this communion we have shared in your eternal kingdom. May we who taste this mystery forever serve you in faith, hope, and love. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation, in the church and in Christ Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. Peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you, wherever God may send you. May God guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May God bless you as you journey on, rejoicing at the wonders God has for you in 2024. In Jesus' name, amen.